Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. One host of the podcast. My name is Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? Kevin Valentin here, other half of the podcast. Kyle. The NBA Finals are finally set. It's taken a while for us to get here. It looked like the Finals were going to be set up last week, just based off the fact that Denver swept the Lakers in four games in the Western Conference Finals. The Heat were up 3-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then Boston leads this massive comeback to tie the series at three games apiece. And then it came down to this Game 7 on Memorial Day. (laughs) Kev, just... Describe what took place in that game seven between the Heat and the Celtics in one word. Hmm. Put me on the spot here. I, know. Uh, I would pro- I would probably say shocked. For me personally, not necessarily the result, because what's funny, Kyle actually had messaged uh mentioned this right before we started recording. My initial prediction was correct. <laughs> Miami in seven. But obviously, like Kyle also stated, nobody expected this to go seven after it was 3-0 in favor of Miami. I think I'm shocked is more so on how Boston responded and how this game turned out to be an unfortunate blowout in favor of Miami. So congratulations to the Heat. Um, But yeah, no, shocked is probably the word, man. I, I really didn't have much for how Boston came out in that second half. It was just like, what in the hell happened? I, I, I think for me, shots would kind of be the same thing. Maybe you could maybe even say like bewildered because I wasn't expecting Miami to come out the gate as hot as they did. And and Boston just in the first quarter, they just, they didn't get it together. I mean, they were chasing the game pretty much the entire way in that game seven. And um, I know we'll, uh, we'll dive into the game a little bit more in depth, but just overall, just, Congratulations to the Heat. This is the first time that we've seen an A-seed advance to the NBA Finals since, since the, Knicks, the, the Knicks made it to the Finals against the Spurs and right before 2000. So it was like damn near 25 years ago. Almost. It really, just you know, kudos to them. Okay, it was like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. They beat the Bucks in the first round, knocked off one of the best teams in the NBA, and... They never looked back. And don't get me wrong. <laughs> this series against Boston came with a little bit of adversity, losing three straight games after they won the first three. And, you know, people were questioning Jimmy Butler after that game six. That game six at home was not one of his best performances, even though that he came up with some timely shots and some clutch free throws at the end of that game. People were a little... They were looking at Jimmy a little bit differently. This was not the Jimmy that we had seen drop 50-plus points against the Bucks or 40-plus points against the Bucks in multiple games. But you know, nonetheless, the Heat found a way to, to get over the hump and break the curse of losing three straight games and you know find themselves in a position to go for an NBA title. They're going to go up against the Denver Nuggets on June 1st, I believe. That's this Thursday, Thursday correct? Yep. So that'll be very interesting to see how it goes. So, you know, pretty much what we're going to give you guys today could be pretty short and concise. We really only have a couple segments. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the Heat winning Game 7 on the road in Boston. Uh, we'll just talk about the basically the path that Miami took to get to this point and, you know, where they can go from here now that they're going to play the Denver Nuggets uh, in the NBA Finals. 
But also, we, we got to talk about the flip side. We got to talk about the Celtics. The Celtics, they were at home for this game. They'd won three straight games to tie this series in the Eastern Conference Finals at three games apiece. And they looked out of sorts the entire game. The, the team looked cold. Jason Tatum got hurt on the first play of the game, rolled an ankle, coming down on, was it Bam's foot? I don't know like what it was. He was he shot like a, a it was maybe like a five to six foot floater, ended up coming down on somebody's foot, rolled the ankle, and you could tell that Jason was bothered by the injury throughout the Ended game. Ended him he was, all game. You could tell like uh, there were multiple camera shots of him grimacing. I mean, there were times where you could just see that he was physically limping after certain jumps. Like he, I think on one dunk attempt when he came down, he, he kind of hobbled his way back on defense up the court. Yep. So that was a bad omen for the start for the Celtics. And it just, man, when it came to their three point shooting, they just were cold behind the three point line. And obviously we'll talk about Boston just falling short and getting back to potential back to back finals. They made it to the finals last year. They had a chance to get back. And unfortunately for them, they do fall short in the Eastern conference finals. So we'll definitely talk about them. And then pretty much to wrap up the episode, we'll talk about the NBA Finals matchup between the Nuggets and the Heat. Uh, the first two games are going to take place in Denver. They'll start on Thursday. Games three and four will take uh, take place back in Miami. This will be a very interesting series knowing that Denver's one of the best teams in the NBA from this past season. If not the Miami, the best. Miami barely made it into the playoffs. But once they got in, they've been on a hot streak and it's taking them all the way to the NBA Finals. So Kevin and I will just give our thoughts about the initial preview. I don't know if we're going to do any sort of prediction. I think we'll just kind of play it by ear. Not really play it by ear. We'll just kind of give our early thoughts about just the matchup itself and where we could see this series can go based on the certain circumstances uh, that outline this series before it, it officially gets kicked off on Thursday. But nonetheless, Kev, let's let's talk about this uh, this game seven. Just because I, I don't think anybody saw uh, the result that came from this game seven. I I think you and I could probably speak to this uh, on the same page here. I think at the end of the day, if it was a competitive game, no matter who won, we'd take that any day. That did I was not for Miami, but I a hundred percent agree. I, I would have liked a more Close-knit Game 7. Yeah. Had Game 7 played out very similar to what Game 6 was like, I would have been all for it. I would have been on the edge of my seat. Would have been fantastic. For me, I mean, I picked Boston to win this series. But honestly, I you could throw that out the window at this point. If Game 7 was just as competitive as Game 6 was in Miami, bro, I'd be all about it. But nonetheless, let's go over this Game 7 real quick. And let's let's just go over what we have laid out in front of us. Miami, they go into Boston and essentially throttle the the Boston Celtics by the score of one hundred three to eighty four. This was a, almost a twenty point win for Miami. At one point, they were up twenty three points in the fourth quarter. And, and like we, what we were talking about earlier, Miami got off to a pretty good start. Boston got off to a relatively cold start, and it kind of lingered. Throughout the entire game, there were points in time where Boston came back and trimmed the deficit to about, I think, as low as seven points. I think that maybe got to around seven points halfway through the third quarter. Boston made some good adjustments to, to get the game a little bit closer. But really, I'd say the back half of the third quarter on was all Miami, and they never looked back. And like we said at the top, Miami is advancing to the NBA Finals. It's the first time that we've seen an eight seed advance to the NBA Finals in almost 25 years. And it's been quite a run for Miami, led by Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, and we'll say Bam Adebayo, just because you know Bam's been one of the, the focal pieces of this Miami team uh, throughout this past season. But Kev, I'll kick this one to you, dude. I mean, obviously we got a lot to talk about from this Game 7, so... To get this one to you, just give me your overall thoughts about the Heat essentially dominating the Celtics on the road in this Game 7 to advance to the NBA Finals. 
Well, I mean, I want to give my big kudos right now to Caleb Barton. Um, he was one shy, one vote shy of getting the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, the Larry Bird Trophy. Um, I think he played his ass off. He played his way into a big contract coming up this offseason. I think he's going to be a coveted, sought-out asset for multiple teams this offseason. So, again, kudos to Caleb. Um, incredible big, uh, big-time big shot selection. He hit those big shots. Uh, he was very efficient from the field. He was also able to rebound the basketball at the guard position very well. He was able to defend effectively, again, just being a disruptor, finding ways to kind of just throw people off their rhythm, get his hands in the passing lanes, and just be an overall kind of difficult assignment in terms of who he was guarding on the offensive side. But what he was able to do in terms of being that that second scorer behind Jimmy Butler, that person that can go out there and get you a bucket. Yes, Gabe Vincent had some good games. Duncan Robinson had some decent performances. Bam Adebayo had some good performances earlier in the series. But when you talk about a level of consistency throughout this round, Caleb Martin was that player. So kudos to him. You know, obviously everybody knows the whole story. Jay Cole got him a, a trial with the heat and the rest is history. So Caleb Martin, you know, definitely, definitely want to give you your respect and, and, uh, you know, your kudos in terms of the game as a whole. Uh, I mean, the thing, the thing that, uh, Miami focused on was defense found ways to close out on the three point line. So Boston was inefficient found ways to create turnovers as a whole. Jalen Brown had eight by himself. Um, they were able to knock down some timely shots, even though they had struggled on the offensive side as well. Jimmy Butler had himself a big game. I believe he had 28, six and seven. So he had a, a, a reawakening of sorts because we all know game six's game or game six's stats for Jimmy were absolutely horrendous outside of those late game free throws that Kyle had mentioned. So as a unit, Miami did what they needed to do. I mean, when you talk about the box score and what people were able to provide, we have 28 from Jimmy, 26 from Caleb, 12 from Bam, 10 from Gabe Vincent, 10 from Duncan Robinson. Like everybody was able to put up decent to good numbers. And when you talk about Jimmy Butler as a whole, the mentality, we're going to win this game. We're going to go into Boston. We've won games here uh, in the past. We've won games here specifically in this series. We're not worried. Spoken into existence. They even, I didn't know this. Kyle apparently had read this earlier in the day. A report had come out before the game had even started that Miami's charter booked or scheduled a flight to Denver after this game, basically assuming they were going to win and head to Denver as Denver is the number one seed in the Western Conference, so the series will go through Denver for the finals. I find that to be a very bold statement for Miami as an organization to let that happen and say, you know what, this is what we're going to do. Obviously, you can change the flight, the itinerary. It's, it's a private charter. It's just to publicly state that is crazy. Jimmy Butler to come out and say we're going to win Game 7 after a failed prediction at winning game six also crazy but they backed it up and they did what they needed to do i mean realistically the miami heat are on a historic run and they've dealt with their fair share of adversity losing all the depot tyler hero jimmy butler having a couple bad games in terms of like coming back down from his playoff jimmy run uh you almost choking away a 3-0 lead there was a lot of negative narratives coming out of Miami throughout this series and throughout the playoffs, to be honest. But as a whole, what, 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 what a series. Don't ask me why I said what six times. I was trying to figure out another word, but it just, it didn't come out. Um, Miami just came out and they wanted it more. Miami shot selection was better. Their defensive presence was better. Their overall attitude and body language was better. And just, they just looked out coached as well. Uh, Boston came out flat in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter. They weren't really able to tame that beast that is the Miami Heat. And uh, Miami goes to their second finals appearance in the last four years, man. So kudos to the Heat. Super happy for them. Um, Isabel wants to get me a Jimmy Butler jersey for my birthday. So uh, shout out to my girlfriend. That would be pretty cool. But overall, man, what a what a series. What an overall performance by both teams. Shout out to Boston. You know, obviously they made this entertaining. It was not a sweep. but for you to not show up on your home floor, Game 7, unfortunately, Jason gets hurt. Jalen has eight turnovers. Marcus Smart's a no-show. A list of endless narratives that you can kind of go down, but the bottom line is the Boston Celtics fall short yet again. I mean, for me, the main focus has to be geared towards Miami just because, you know, when you're up 3-0 in the series and you have a 
chance to potentially sweep one of the best teams in the NBA. And not only do you squander that, you lose three straight games. And now you have a game seven, not on your home court, but back in Boston with Boston having all the momentum in the world. The fact that Miami was not only able to rise to the challenge, but really exceed the challenge in winning game seven to advance to the NBA finals. You really have to give a lot of kudos to not only the coaching staff, but the players as a whole. They understood the severity of this game and the lights were not too bright for them. Right, that There were times where they missed some shots. They had some turnovers. But by and large, I, I think what you said was correct. I think they put a lot of emphasis on putting a huge amount of defensive pressure on Boston, and Boston really couldn't handle it. And then on top of that, you get some really good performances from both Jimmy Butler and Kayla Martin, and that essentially got you this win. So like Kev said, I, I give the Heat all the kudos in the world. Granted, I didn't pick them to win this series, but... You know, really, this is an accomplishment that, to be quite honest with you guys, I, I haven't really seen something like this within my lifetime that I can really remember. I know that we've talked about uh, the Knicks were the last eight seed to advance to the NBA Finals, but that was almost 25 years ago, and I was four years old. It's not something that I really remember quite vividly. But nonetheless, you know, when you actually get to experience an eight seed like this advance to the NBA Finals, you really have to give a lot of kudos and respect to this team. And honestly, I think a lot of praise should be heaped towards Eric Spolstra, who in my eyes is probably now without a doubt, the best coach in the NBA, because I don't think there's too many coaches that can lead a unit like this to an NBA finals appearance with this team being the eight seed. So I just wanted to give Eric Spolstra a lot of credit because this was really quite a performance from him just from a coaching perspective. As for the game itself, for me, this was just a defensive-minded game, I think, from a, from a Miami perspective. Miami really gave Boston fits in that first half. And pretty much when I look back at this game, Boston was chasing the game the entire way through. They only scored, I believe, 15 points in that first quarter. And that was despite the fact that Boston got off to a very hot start within like the first couple of minutes of the first quarter. And then Miami went on like a 10-2 run and closed out that first quarter very effectively. And Boston definitely made some runs in that second quarter, but Miami was able to respond effectively with some timely uh, jump shots, some good three-point shots from either Jimmy Butler or Caleb Martin. And it just seemed as if that Boston was always down double digits. Granted, you know, going into that third quarter, I think they got it to around seven points and had a couple of different plays gone in Boston's favor. Maybe they could have trimmed that deficit to maybe a one possession game, maybe get it to three points or less. But to me, it was Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin, especially Caleb Martin. I thought Caleb was great behind the three-point line and he's been a consistent player for Miami behind the three-point line the entire series. And he stepped up probably in the biggest game of his professional career and really gave Miami a lot to work with, especially with those jump shots behind the three-point line. And when it comes to Miami, I just think from an overall perspective, you know, even though that they didn't have what I would consider the best game that I've seen from them in this series, it was, I think, probably their best defensive performance that I've seen. And when you can hold a team like Boston to under 90 points, really, you have to give this team a lot of credit. Because even though that Boston technically scored over 80 points, Miami and Boston basically pulled out all their starters, and Boston was still at 79 points. So the fact that Miami basically, I'm not saying shut out Boston, but really limited them offensively in this game, you really have to give... A lot of credit to the players bringing that playoff intensity, especially defensively, and the coaches. I imagine pregame and probably the game plan going in was very simple. You know, we're gonna get we're gonna make timely shots when we get open looks, and then we're gonna play just hellacious defense. And 
I think that really worked out in their favor. So overall, when it comes to Miami, Miami was great in this game. I, I think more than likely what I'll take away from this game is just their defensive effort was outstanding, especially with forcing the amount of turnovers that they did and holding Boston to one of their weakest performances behind the three-point line. Okay, if I remember correctly, I think Boston only hit nine threes in this game. And I think when they pulled all their starters out, they'd only hit eight. I think one of their threes came in garbage time. So the fact that Miami was able to effectively hold Boston to really only eight made threes, I don't know what else you could ask more from them. You know, granted, neither team really made a huge effort to going into the free throw line because I think Miami only had about five or six free throw attempts. And Boston, I think, had maybe a dozen and maybe just a little bit more than a dozen. So, you know, the, obviously it's a game seven. The 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 pressure of game sevens are always intense. But to me, Miami was able to rise to the occasion, make the timely shots that they needed to make, and they got some great stops on the other end. And they made Boston chase the game. Boston was never really ahead in this game outside of maybe the first couple minutes in the first quarter. And once Miami was able to extend their lead, especially late in the third quarter, going into that fourth quarter, the fourth quarter is when they blew this thing wide open. A boss was out of sorts and they just could not knock down shots consistently. And that's why the Miami heat are advancing to the finals and Boston's going home. So once again, congratulations to the heat for advancing to the NBA finals. It's going to be very interesting to see what this matchup is going to present when we see the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat go at it later this week. I believe on Thursday, that's when game one takes place. But it'd be very interesting to see how that dynamic plays out because it's going to be very interesting to see a number one seeded Nuggets team go up against a number eight seeded Miami Heat team. But we shall see how that plays out on Thursday. But once again, congratulations to the Heat for advancing to the finals. It's quite a feat to do as the eight seed. I mean, Kyle already talked about it in detail, right? Boston had every realistic chance to go out and, and fire on all cylinders. I mean, they were home. They had the momentum. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were playing up to snuff, albeit game six. They dodged a bullet with a game winner in the last millisecond by Derek White. But, I mean, when you look at this game, Jalen Brown picked a bad time to have eight turnovers. It's very unfortunate Jason rolled his ankle in literally the first play. But when you look at the remainder of the game, we're going to talk about Boston's miscues here because it's just you got to find a way to to win a game, right? You have to you have to will your team. You have a deep enough bench. You have the sixth man of the year. You have Derek White who has played tremendous this series. And you go 9 of 42 from the three-point line. I think Reggie Miller had said it best in the late third if not early fourth quarter. You can't win this game. You can't come back in this game in one shot. You have to mm-hmm. You have to chip away at leads. Miami had some turnovers with Boston's pressure. Miami was missing some shots. If it wasn't in Caleb Martin or Jimmy Butler's hands, basically the ball wasn't going in as frequent. So you just bad, you had to make somebody else beat you. And there were a lot of instances where Boston would come down the floor and jack up a three early in the shot clock after making a, a, a mid-range jump shot, a layup, getting to the free throw line. If Boston continues to attack, if I remember correctly, Bam had three fouls. Early on in the third quarter, if not as the second quarter he, ended, he, he picked up that third foul before the end of the second quarter. I think he got you it on a, a legal screen. To, you have to put your head down and attack him. You have mm-hmm. to. You have to find a way to get their rim protector out of this game. And whenever Bam was out of the game, Miami didn't put in Cody Zeller. They went small. They put in Highsmith. You have to put in Horford. You have to find a way to slow down the pace of this game get them in foul trouble, and take good shot attempts in the paint or at the free throw line. And Boston continued to jack up terrible shots. Kyle already said Boston only had 13 free throws, and they shot less than 22% from the three-point line. They picked a very, very bad day to turn it over and have bad shots. I don't know if that's on Joe Mazzullo and what he drew up for the team in this game, but when you look at it from a holistic basketball standpoint, Boston shot themselves in the foot in way more ways than one. I think for me, when it comes to Boston, it's very simple. Boston just shot themselves out of the game. And you tie that in with all the turnovers that they had. 
that's a recipe for disaster because I think to me really where Boston made it interesting was in that mid stage of that third quarter. They had made a great adjustment in running the offense through Derek White. And Kev, tell me if I'm wrong here. It seems like Miami defensively had a very difficult time being able to guard Derek. Just because yeah. Derek was driving into the lane, he was able to get past the defender that was guarding against him, whether it was like Duncan Robinson. I think Duncan Robinson was usually the kind of like the one-on-one defender he was going up against. They may have switched yeah. a couple guys on him. But Derek was able to effectively get around him and essentially get somewhere between about a five to six foot floater or just basically a runner into the lane for a layup. And it was funny because I was watching the game with my brother and I'm thinking, it's like, is Derek White going to do this again? Is he going to be able to spark a rally for Boston and be one of those pivotal players that could get Boston back into this game? And like I said, it came down to about a seven point deficit for Boston, which is very manageable, especially with, Momentum being on their side, they they got the home crowd behind them. And it seemed like Miami was going through a little bit of a cold stretch in, I'd say, that mid part of the third quarter. And then Boston was really never able to get into a rhythm to get it to a four-point or three-point, even a, a two-point deficit. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Miami ran some really good plays. They were able to get their guys open for some three-point shots, whether that was Duncan Robinson or, or Caleb Martin. I think even Kyle Lowry made a made a pretty good shot. Oh, as and the, the shot clock expired, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that might have been the, tough shot. That might that might have been in the fourth quarter. I might be a little that was late. That was a but, tough shot. But you know, really focusing on that third quarter, I, I think that's where Caleb Martin really shined. Jimmy was also able to get a couple buckets here and there, and then to me, once that fourth quarter started, Kev, what was about a ten point lead for Miami, it ballooned to an eighteen point lead with 10 minutes left in the quarter. I mean, it got to a point where Miami was up 23 points in the fourth quarter. And it's like you said, Kev, just the fact that Jalen had the worst timing to have eight individual turnovers. At one point, he had more turnovers than the entire the Miami Heat. As a team. That's just, it's super unfortunate that that happened to him. Because at first, Jalen, within the first couple of minutes of this game, he was able to get some early points on the board for Boston. Boston had a great start within the first, I'd say, three to four minutes of the first quarter. But then pretty much it was Miami. From from that point forward, it was all Miami. So to me, when I look back at this game, specifically with the miscues that Boston made, Boston really couldn't defend the three-point line that well against Miami because Miami shot 50% behind the three-point line. And whenever Miami has shot really well behind the three-point line, it doesn't matter whether it's this series or it's been in previous series. By and large, they win their games. I mean, and as a team, Miami shot 48% from the field. They almost shot 50% as a unit. And in a game seven, if you're Miami, that's exactly what you want. If you're Boston, that's the last thing that you want. And I think one of the adjustments that Boston should have made is like you said, Kev. Okay, if they got a 10-point lead against us, we got to slow the pace of the game down. We got to drive to the basket and try to get Bam in foul trouble or to get someone like Jimmy Butler or even some of the role players in foul trouble and go to the free throw line and see if we could just, like you said, chip away at that deficit. I, I think Reggie really did a good job explaining what Boston shouldn't do, which was just rely on the three-point shot to, to get you back into the game. And I mean, when you only hit, technically they Nine. really only hit eight. They really only hit eight before they put the scrubs in. Oh, true. It's not going to work. You know, and I think I think that pressure finally got to them where it's like, we got to make up this deficit here and now. And they were cold behind the three point line. You know, it's a recipe for failure or disaster. It's, it's the last thing that you need. And to me, it's just crazy that, that Boston had all this momentum going into this game seven you win three straight games you have the potential to become the first team in nba history to come back from a 3-0 deficit you're on your home court you know typically this would be the other way around you know, usually if a team was going into this situation more than likely they're the away team and that's very difficult to be able to win a road game when you're in a situation like that 
But the fact that Boston had home court for this game, you'd figure that plays some sort of factor. And Miami took them completely out of the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, it got to the point where just the fans were so dejected. It just, you know, people had their arms folded. You could just tell like they were mentally checked out of the game once Miami went on that huge run early in that fourth quarter. And I, I think people realistically knew once Miami's lead ballooned to 18, it's a wrap. I know we've seen crazy comebacks in the past. I know we've seen that. You know, 10, 15 point leads are not safe in the NBA anymore, especially if a team gets hot behind the three point line. Those leads can dwindle really quickly. It just seemed, though, that Miami put their pedal to the metal in the fourth quarter. And they wanted it more. Period. And, and, and Boston just fell short. And Boston just couldn't knock down shots, too many turnovers. And I think for me, 13 free throw attempts. You gotta win. I mean, Miami only had six. So, you know, know. from a free throw standpoint, it was not a good game for either team. But for Boston being down, that should have that should have easily been in the twenties. I, I think at minimum, you gotta hit twenty twenty five. You know, and, and it's game seven. It, it, if it's kind of one of those gutter, grimy, greed type of game sevens, I think people just come in with the expectation like if it's gonna be that type of game, so be it. But Boston didn't resort to that. And I think this is one of those games where maybe that's one of the adjustments that they could have made. But at the same time, you have to give Miami credit. Their defense was stifling. They played great one-on-one defense. And and even despite the fact that I thought Miami played relatively good defense across the board, it's not as if Boston didn't have good looks. Boston had open looks behind the three-point line, and they just couldn't knock them down consistently. So... Jason rolling his ankle in the first play. Horrible luck. I, I, that's the only thing you can say, that, luck. That That's just... I mean, at that point, you could tell. Maybe it's just not Boston's night. I remember I was talking about it with my brother. It's like, you roll an ankle on the first game, the, the, the first play of the game, man, that's a bad sign. And you can tell and, that the load management, to an extent, haha, funny, right? Um it shifted in favor of not in favor, but they didn't really have much of a choice. They it shifted in the uh, in the sense of Jalen had to carry the team because Jason was five of thirteen. He played forty two minutes. Jalen played forty three, but he was a liability on defense. Jason was being targeted in the pick and roll, and he was not able to get good shots with elevation off, even though he had some good looks. Jalen Brown, however, had to shoulder the uh, shoulder the load, and he had 23 shot attempts, one of nine from the three-point line, and again, like we said before, eight turnovers. So the fact that Jason wasn't able to really assist, you know, the Robin, the Batman, whatever you want to put the narrative of who's who in Boston, it doesn't really matter, is the other person was not able to help, and that showed, and when the other person is also a defensive liability, it's not a successful formula for a Game 7 victory at home. No. But it's it, it's neither here nor there at this point. Boston is probably going to go back to the drawing board and figure out what they're going to do. Do they bring back Al Horford? Do they give Jalen Brown the max? Are they going to go and get a new head coach? There's a lot of looming narratives this offseason for Boston. And obviously everybody knows at this point they fell short. Going down 3-0 to the eighth seed wasn't a good look to begin with. Now you go and you choke at home after defying all the odds and bringing this team back, and this is the performance you put out. I wouldn't want to be a Boston Celtic right about now, to be completely honest with you, this offseason, because they had every right and every opportunity to win this game, and they chose not to. Despite Jason being hurt, there were plenty of opportunities because Miami did not blow us away with a 130-point performance or something like that. Again, Kyle had stated this was a seven-point game at one point. 
This wasn't a blowout the entire day. So this was manageable. Boston decided to go out and try to become the Golden State Warriors in a matter of 12 minutes. Didn't pan out for them, and they get sent home. I, I think just, just one final point before we transition into the NBA Finals preview. If Jason doesn't roll his ankle, I think Jason goes out there and probably scores 25, 30 points. I think he definitely becomes a more focal piece of the offense, especially with him not being limited, barring some sort of that, that hypothetical uh, situation where he didn't roll his ankle. And I think this becomes a far more competitive game because it just seemed Jason was just not comfortable in leading the offense, being compromised with that ankle sprain. And more than know. likely, that's probably what it was. It's, I'd probably say it's it's not the worst ankle sprain that I've seen. I've seen plenty of ankle sprains. Hell, I've experienced some some ankle uh, sprains. Like Kev, you and I both know we we are not a fan of ankles. So not doing this again. But you could definitely tell it hindered him. And I think I think from a certain perspective, I, I think mentally, I think they knew it's like, okay, we gotta step up for our, our guy just because he's hurt. But you know, not having your best player at a hundred percent, man, that's tough to overcome. And, you know, when it comes to the heat, I mean, Jimmy even I think got dinged up a little bit in this game. I think he rolled his ankle uh in the second half and he was going through a little gimpy stretch, but I don't think it hindered him nearly as much as what it did with Jason. And the fact that Jason did it on the first freaking play of the game. You know, looking back, it's like that was that was a bad sign from the start and it eventually played out that way. So there would definitely be some questions when it comes to Boston this offseason. But I if Jason doesn't roll his ankle. This is a yeah, whole different game. I think the Celtics, the, Celtics might, the Celtics might win this game. Maybe. Maybe. I You know, we'll never know. Yeah, but the what if game is a is a very long it, and tiresome game. But it's like I think everybody could objectively look at that situation. It's like, damn, what could have been? What this would have been probably a, a more competitive game had that not played out. But unfortunately, it did for Boston, and that's why they're going home. Or I, I'm not saying that's the sole reason why they're going home, but contributing. I think it, I, I think it definitely played a factor. But yeah. with that said, let's transition into the NBA Finals preview. We finally have it set. What I thought was actually going to be set up probably about, I don't know, like five, six days ago when it looked like Miami was going to sweep Boston. We finally have the NBA Finals set up between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Really, just to kind of give you guys a, a quick summary of how we got here, Denver swept their way through the Western Conference Finals. They swept the Lakers in a four-game four sweep. Pretty competitive series as far as I see it, just from each individual game. All those games were relatively competitive, but Denver was able to find a way to win all four of those games and advance to the NBA Finals. And like what we've been talking about over, I'd say the last probably 35 minutes or so, Miami, as the eighth seed, advances to the NBA Finals. Like I said earlier, like we both said at this point, the first seed, or the, the first eight seed to advance to the NBA Finals in almost 25 years, and they have just rode this wave of being on a hot streak ever since making it in from the playing tournament, beating the best team in the Eastern Conference in the Bucks, and never looking back from then. And damn near sweeping the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, but it's pretty safe to say that they faced some adversity, losing three straight games, and then winning a very compelling Game 7 just from a wire-to-wire perspective just because of how effective that they were offensively and defensively shutting down the Celtics to 84 points as a team. So it's going to be a very interesting series. Kev, I think this is the first time that we've seen a one-versus-eight matchup in the finals. I was thinking that, but I wasn't aware if there was any statistics to back that up. Is that an actual fact? The only one I could think of was maybe like that Spurs and Knicks because I was going to say, that's, 19... that's when the Spurs were nice. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if they were a one seed. But again, I don't I don't know. I think this is probably the this is the first time that we've seen a one versus eight seed in the finals. Where, in the finals. Like, where we're, like, actually, like, going to vividly, well, I should say both of us. Because I think you probably remember that Knicks run in the late 90s. Even though that you were, what, like, five, six years old five, at the time? Five, six, yeah. Something like that. But as oh, okay. as adults, this is the first time that we've seen yeah. 
you know, a one eight matchup in the finals. And it's going to be a very interesting series. Just kind of looking at it from a bigger perspective. You got Nico Jokic. You've got Jamal Murray with Denver as your superstars with Miami. You obviously have Jimmy Butler as the main superstar and they've, they've got a good supporting cast with Bam Adebayo, Caleb Martin. They've got Kyle Lowry. Who's got NBA finals experience as well. You got Kevin Love on the bench who has finals experience as well. I think this is crazy. I was actually looking this up uh, before we started recording. Every, Every time, time Kevin, Kevin Love, Love has made the playoffs, he's gone to the finals. He's been to the finals. Yep. Been utterly insane. That the, Kevin just finds himself in a good spot at the right time. Yeah. But, every time was in Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So this will be a pretty interesting series, but I'm not going to waste any more time. So, Kev, I'll just get this one to you. Kev, just give me your overall thoughts on the initial matchup between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. I mean, I think the matchup is, of course, going to be entertaining. Let's not pretend and sit like this isn't going to be a very, very watched finals. Just because LeBron James isn't in it or anything like that does not mean it's going to be any less fun. You have the narrative of the best team in the league, finally healthy, in the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history, going up against a team that not a soul thought would be here, including Miami fans. I don't want to hear it. I know most of you, if not all of you, chose... Uh, Milwaukee in that first round series but again neither here nor there we're past that Um, the supporting cast of this team has been electric lights out it's consistently brought up seven undrafted players they've played their asses off they've all stepped up and hit big shots they've all stepped up and played good defense this is a very well-rounded team a very well-coached team a team led with a lot of veterans we all know Udonis Haslam doesn't play, but he is the OG of the team behind, obviously, Kyle Lowry, who's 36, 37 years old. Jimmy Butler's in his 30s. Kevin Love is in his 30s. This isn't a young spring chicken team. Kyle just went down the list of the players that have already played in the finals, and some of them are still on this team from the run that they had gone on a couple of years ago in the bubble. So when you look at experience, you have to kind of give the edge to Miami in that sense. But from an overall talent perspective, you have the two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. You have arguably one of the better point guards in the Western Conference in Jamal Murray. When Michael Porter Jr. is hot, he can go and knock down big shots from behind the arc. Obviously, Bruce Brown had a great uh, couple couple games in that Western Conference Finals, and he showed up. Caldavius Caldwell Caldavius Caldwell Pope had some Contavious, Excuse me. Contavious Caldwell Pope, thank you, um, had some incredible games. The 3 and D guy. This is going to be a good entertaining finals. The biggest thing I'm looking at, who's going to guard Nikola Jokic, man? <laughs> if Anthony Davis couldn't do it, you think Bam's going to do it? That is the only reason why I am like so scared for Miami because it's like, if... Jokic wasn't as good of a passer or if he wasn't as dynamic of a scorer, maybe this would be a little simpler to an extent because he could still do everything, just not as effectively. But the fact that this man can walk down the court and and what seems to be get his own rebound, pass himself the ball, and score because he's, he, he's a walking triple-double at seven feet tall, which is just an anomaly in and of itself. He is the X factor for this series as a whole. So I'm curious to see what Spo is going to do in terms of combating the triple threat that is Nikola. And I'm also curious to see if the lights are going to be too bright for some of the younger cast of the Heat. Will Caleb Barton be able to do this in the most important stage? Will, Vince, will Gabe Vincent be able to do this on, in the NBA Finals? Will Duncan Robinson go cold and disappear? We don't know. But if for whatever reason Miami can make this competitive and find a way to get the ball out of Jokic's hand, maybe get him into foul trouble, whatever the case may be, I think this has the potential to go six or seven games because Miami has beaten teams that are flat out more talented and better in multitudes of positions. Now, in none of these games were the center the focal point of the team, which would therefore make everything that much harder because it's going from inside the paint, kicking it on out. But Nikola Jokic isn't your everyday center. He brings the ball up. He is able to facilitate. He is able to play good defense. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. So again, 
I'm curious to see how the series goes, but I am very excited because Miami should not be here. They have beaten a great amount of teams. They are very well coached, and Jimmy Butler just does not seem like he's done. I mean, for God's sakes, Jimmy Butler had no emotions at that Eastern Conference um, trophy presentation. Everybody's cheering. Bam Adebayo's going crazy, picking up the trophy. Jimmy is just no smile, no smirk, no emote, nothing. He's focused on winning a chip, and I think that the chip on his shoulder is going to make this a lot more entertaining than people are anticipating. But I look forward to the NBA Finals finally starting on Thursday. Yeah, I think this series is going to be an interesting one simply just because we have this number one seed going up against a number eight seed. And, you know, it's the first time that this has happened in, in quite some time. I'd have to look up the, the Spurs and Knicks series. That's what I'm they, doing right now. Because I know the Knicks were definitely the eight seed. I just don't remember whether or not the, the Spurs were the number one seed. But nonetheless, when it comes to this specific series, I'm not like having a prediction. I'm just basing it off of what I see on paper and what I've seen throughout both respective playoff run from each team. It seems to me that Denver is the And Antonio team. was the number one seed. Okay. So... It's the, first, it's the first time that's happened probably, what, 23, 24 years? Some, so, yeah, so, something, something like that. that. All right, so it's been a while. It doesn't happen that often, but nonetheless, I guess some things come full circle every 20, 25 years or so, so we'll see it play out once again. But when it comes to how I look at this series, to me, it's like Kev said. I think just from an overall talent perspective, Denver's definitely the better team here, especially when you have Nikola Jokic, who's just been an absolute monster for Denver the entire time that he's been in the playoffs throughout this stretch for Denver. And to me, you could even make a case that Jamal Murray was really the MVP of that Western Conference final series with just the amount of points that he was able to get behind the three-point line. Granted, I know that Nikola Jokic gets a bunch of shine just based on the fact that he can go out there and get at least 25 and 15 like it's nothing. Like, it's a walk in the park. But to me, the fact that Jamal Murray was so effective behind the three-point line in the Western Conference ser- in the Western Conference final series against the Lakers, it's definitely going to be something interesting that Miami's going to have to contend with. Because, you know, not only can Jamal Murray shoot well behind the three-point line, KCP can really light it up behind that three-point line whenever he gets some open looks. And like Kev said, if Michael Porter Jr. is hot, and if he gets into a rhythm, Man, you're talking about three potential sharpshooters behind the three-point line, which Maul Murray, KCP, and Michael Porter Jr. Miami's going to have to make some really good adjustments to try to counter that because Denver has effectively shot the three ball very well in their playoff run so far, and they have a very good chance to be able to do that once again going up against the Miami Heat. Now, when it comes to the Heat, the Heat have gotten here based off of a few factors. They have shot extremely well from the field, especially behind the three-point line. And they have played fantastic defense when they needed it the most. Like Kevin and I just talked about in Game 7 for Miami, they played outstanding defense against Boston. Held them to under 85 points in the most important game of the year for Boston. And did it on the road. And that was despite the fact that Boston had all the momentum going into that game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals. Didn't matter. Miami went into Boston's house and honestly gave it to him from a defensive perspective. They just brought more intensity. They ramped up the pressure and Boston folded. When it comes to how they're going to present a defensive challenge against Denver, it's going to be a lot different because like Kev said, Jokic is going to be a nightmare for them simply just because I don't think they have a piece to be able to really counteract him. Bam is not somebody that I would really rely to get key and crucial stops against Jokic because Jokic is too versatile. I mean, granted, you might get a situation where Jokic and and Bam are playing one-on-one, but if the situation is not there for Jokic to attack the rim, he could just kick it out to KCP, Michael Porter Jr., or Jamal Murray, and they could just light it up behind the three-point line. So if Miami overplays their defense against Jokic, they put too much pressure on him. Jokic has plenty of options to kick it out to. 
for some open shooters. And that's what the Lakers struggled with. The Lakers played some pretty solid defense at times against Jokic, but when they overplayed their help against against Jokic, he was able to kick it out effectively. And Michael Porter Jr., KCP, Bruce Brown, and Jamal Murray, they knocked down some huge three-point shots for Denver. And when you're presented that type of offensive weaponry, Miami, I think, is going to have a very difficult time to be able to slow down just the general offense that Denver runs just because they may be able to slow down Jokic at times, but I don't think it's going to be enough to slow them down consistently throughout this series. And that means that Miami's really going to have to focus on shooting a high percentage behind the three-point line, which they've actually been doing pretty much their entire playoff run so far. If they're able to consistently knock down around 45 to 50% behind the three-point line, they have a shot to make these games competitive. Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, these guys are going to have to step up big and knock down some critical three-point shots. Same goes for Gabe Vincent. If these guys can get into a rhythm behind the three-point line, I think it gives them a chance to be competitive in this series. And I also have to see something from Jimmy that I didn't see at times against Boston. There were times against Boston where Jimmy looked hesitant. He did not look as assertive as he once was in some of the previous series going into this Boston series. You can look back at Jimmy, and Jimmy had some good games here and there, but there were some other games where, quite frankly, he just looked too passive, he looked too hesitant, and he was looking to pass the ball out instead of attacking and driving to the to the bucket. So I think they're going to have to see a little bit more aggressiveness from Jimmy. And maybe Jimmy just goes after Jokic. Maybe Jimmy just drives it into the lane, tries to get Jokic into foul trouble. And that's how they may dictate terms of each individual game. That's something that we'll have to monitor throughout each game of the series. But nonetheless, I think one thing when it comes to Miami, just one more point I'm going to make with the Heat, is the availability of Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero broke two of his fingers in... I believe game one against the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. And he's been out ever since. Supposedly, he could be available to play by games two or three of the NBA Finals. And I remember Kevin and I were talking about this at the time when he suffered this injury. Had hypothetically the Heat gone to the Finals, maybe we would see Tyler be able to come back and play for Miami. Well, now that Miami's actually here in this position... I think there is a chance that we will see Tyler Hero in this series, but I think it's mainly going to come from him coming off the bench. I believe the rotation that they're running with their starters right now is something that they should probably maintain and keep at this point. And I think they should give Tyler some decent minutes off of the bench, see if they can get him into a groove because he's going to be rusty at first, especially when it comes to an injury that he sustained when it comes to breaking multiple fingers. you got to get him into a rhythm and give him some open looks and some decent opportunities to be able to score some baskets. So it's one other component when it comes to Miami that we'll, we'll see how it plays out over the coming days. But as of right now, just when I look at this series overall, I think Denver has the advantage when it comes to the talent on the court, but I think Miami has the advantage when it comes to the coaching side of things. Spolster has really proven to be just an expert level coach. And I I'm fully convinced that if Miami did not have Spolstra with this unit, I don't think they would have gotten this far. I think that Spolstra has done an amazing job leading this group of men with the Miami Heat to this point. And I think he's just as critical to their success compared to somebody like Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin and Bam Adebayo. So Miami has a really good unit, but I think they're really bolstered by the impact that Spolster brings to the table with his overall coaching. And I think a case can be made that he's the best coach in the NBA at this point. But overall, I think this is going to be a fun series. Uh, Game one takes place on Thursday night. It's going to be in Denver the first two games, and then it goes back to Miami for games three and four. But overall, I'm anticipating a fun series here. And at the end of the day, as long as it's competitive, I'm all here for it. So... We'll see how things play out when things get rolling on Thursday night.
Couldn't have said it better myself. Super excited for the series to start. Um, but that's kind of everything we have at this point. I mean, Kyle, unless you can think of anything, it is getting kind of late on our end. No, I just wanted to kind of make it concise when it comes to the amount of segments that we have. We only really, we really only had three segments to offer to you guys, but you know, I think it was pretty solid. Just when it came to the content that we had from the NBA side of things, there really wasn't else to talk about. Um, I will say though, just before we wrap things up, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs in the NHL are set as well. Uh, we had the Florida Panthers going up against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the Golden Knights were able to close out their series against the Dallas Stars in the Western Conference Finals. So when it comes to the NBA and the NHL, Kev, since we're from Florida, we have two Florida live teams. In Florida. Excuse me. We Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, since we both live in Florida. Too. I know. I was like two hours away from where you used to live, too. So, um. But since we both live in Florida, we got the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat representing the state of Florida in the NBA and the NHL, respectively. So, got two Florida teams in there. We'll see what happens. But overall, just wanted to keep this episode rather concise compared to what we typically do, because sometimes we can get up to like two hours when it comes to our episode. But this was relatively concise looking at the grand scheme of things. Yep. I mean, I, guys, we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys updated throughout the week. Of course, we got to make our official predictions for the finals and whatnot. Um, more than likely, I mean, Kyle, I don't know about you. I feel like we would have to record Friday night since the game's probably going to be at like 9 p.m. knowing the way that the NBA final schedule is. And with them being in Denver, it's going to be a two, three-hour game. Me Thursday? Thursday? No, I'm saying we're probably going to have to record Friday because the game's Thursday night and it doesn't start till I think 9 o'clock. Yeah, it just depends on the time that they wrap that game up. I don't know what time it's going to be. Check I mean, right now. I mean, I know the first game starts on the first, but... Yeah, hold on. Thursday, 8.30. So it's going to be another late game that's pending if it does not go to overtime. So and guys, the, again, we'll keep... Better than, 10 o'clock, better than 10 o'clock start. Yeah. Way better than a 10 o'clock start. So I, I'll take an 8.30 start. That, that was the time of the uh, the Celtics and Heat game. Celtics game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, so we'll, we'll keep you guys abreast with, with that. But uh, we got plenty of content coming your way. So, um, yeah, no, without further ado, guys, you know, it's been great. We haven't been able to put out a big episode just because we've literally only had the Eastern Conference Finals for a little bit now. But the NBA Finals means there's some more things kind of looming in the back. So we definitely have some things to talk about. But overall, uh, we appreciate any support that we've had from any and all platform, audio, social media. It's been great. And, uh, you know, Kyle, that's everything I have, man. Yeah, just once again, thank you guys for tuning in, whether it was on YouTube or listening to us on the audio platforms. We definitely appreciate your support. Like Kev said, we'll have we'll have some content rolling throughout the week. It'll mostly be geared towards the NBA Finals, so definitely stay tuned for that. And honestly, we're just going to play this by ear throughout the week. We'll probably drop a couple segments here and there uh, before the NBA Finals, and then once the NBA Finals get started. And then... Um, I mean, I have a vacation that's coming up pretty soon. So I'd leave, I believe, next Monday. So it'll be a week from right now. I mean, well, it's technically Tuesday when we're recording right now. But since, you know, basically this Game 7 took place on Memorial Day, it'd be a week from Memorial Day. So um, we'll kind of just plan things as best as we can. Um Kev may have to put out some individual segments while I'm gone. I'll try to put out some shorts where it's just me kind of recording. I'll do what I can based on the circumstances, but uh, we'll just try to keep you guys in the loop as best as we can. I'll just kind of leave it at that. But nonetheless, just, just stay tuned for what we have in store for you guys over the rest of this week and going into next week. We'll definitely have content for you guys. There's no doubt about that. Yes, sir. So with that being said, guys, have a great night. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you guys soon. Take it easy, guys. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. 
I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. 